The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. The following program is a PodcastOne.com production. He's a world champion wrestler, best-selling author, actor, and lead singer of Fozzie. Now, now he's rocking the podcast world. Marvelous. This, this, this is Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho. Starring Chris Jericho. Welcome to Talk is Jericho, the pot of Honda and rock and roll the people's podcast has arrived the remedy for boredom is here let's go for a ride Blast from El Pastola. Working for the weekend, even though it's Wednesday, the weekend is still coming. It's, hey, listen, every day is a weekend when you're listening to Talk is Jericho, right? Yeah, boy! Today, huge guest, one of the biggest A-listers we've had on this show, William Shatner, is going to be here. Do I have to even say who he is? Captain James T. Kirk, TJ Hooker, Denny Crane, the star of Kingdom of the Spiders. I mean, come on. He's done it all. And this is one conversation you don't want to miss. 50 years of show business experience, maybe even 60 years. And we cover everything. We cover it all, including the screening of Shatner's World. It's his one-man show, and it's going to be live in theaters on Thursday, April 24th. Go to Shatner'sWorld.com to get your tickets you don't want to miss it. I'm not kidding. We're talking about everything today with William, with old Billy. UFOs, Ghosts, the original Star Trek show, the Star Trek movies, and of course, Shatner's love of the WWE. He's a big wrestling fan. He actually inducted Jerry Lawler into the WWE Hall of Fame and got completely booed. You remember that? Bill talks all about it. We've got all the stories from William Shatner it's going to be so, so fruit. Trust me, I had a blast talking to Bill, uh, one of my favorite interviews I've ever done. And if that's not enough, when Bill is finished, I've got the world premiere of the new Fozzie single, Lights Go Out. You are going to hear it right here first. It's completely new, not like anything we've ever done before, but I think you're going to dig it. You definitely don't want to miss it. Fozzie Holics everywhere. 
But before we get started, have you checked out the Keep Our Podcasts free banner at podcastone.com? Hmm? It would be a huge help, a favor to Y2J if you can go give it a look. You'll find all of my Sexy Beast sponsors there. You can give them all a little bit of love because they're the reason I get to do this for you for free twice a week, right? You'll also find the Amazon links there. That's the easiest way to support the show because now we have links not only for the United States, but for Amazon UK and Amazon Canada as well. So everybody can join the party. So once again, please go to podcastone.com. Click on the Keep Our Podcasts Free banner at the top of the page. Then click on Talk is Jericho to find all my great sponsors. Now here's an idea. Bookmark it so you can get to an easy do it now, bookmark it, so you can get to it easy, you lady boys, you sissy man. And hey, in all seriousness, thank you for supporting the show and for supporting my sponsors. Check it out. Do me a favoir. Do me a solid, because I love doing this show. I love doing this show. Click another time on my sponsors, baby. I love doing the show. Click one more time and dance with me. Yeah, there you go. Special song just for you. I want to keep doing it for you for free twice a week. So click on the Keep Our Podcast free banner now. All right. So today, like I said, we're going to play the new Fozzie song, Lights Go Out, after William Shatner's killer interview. Um, It's funny because we've been doing this for so long with Fozzie that to me, our name is just our name. And still sometimes when they say, what's the name of your band? I say Fozzie, they'll be like, what? Like a Muppet? And it's, it, you know, it, it's, it's interesting because we got that name because we started as a, a cover band. We were called Fozzie Osborne. And the band got together when I was in WCW still back in 99. That's how long we've been doing this. And I met Rich Ward backstage um, at a show in San Antonio. And then I met him again in Greenburn, South Carolina. And he was in a band called Stuck Mojo. And they were doing some stuff for Diamond Dallas Page. They did a, a song called "Rising," where they had Paige in the in the in the video. It's a really cool song. If if you haven't heard it, go check it out on YouTube. The video is cool too. Diamond Dallas Page is in it. Raven, Billy Kidman, the whole flock was in there uh, for the Stuck Mojo video. And he was telling me that he had a, a cover band in Atlanta called Fozzie Osborne, and just whoever was in town, they would. Uh, do covers of the, you know, their favorite tunes, you know, 80s rock tunes or whatever it was, 90s rock tunes. And I had been thinking at that point in time about putting together a band. I actually even had started jamming with some friends of mine in Winnipeg and was going to put together kind of a cover band and do some touring because I really wanted to get back into music and get more into it. Because anyone knows my story, it's the old cliche Jericho statement that when I first started, uh, when I was a kid, I wanted to be in a rock band and I wanted to be a wrestler. Those are my two dreams. And I always kind of focused my life on those two things. So wrestling took off first, but I still always continued to do demos and write songs. And I was in a band called Great Caesar's Ghost. And I was in another band called Blackstone Menace. Another band called Mr. Filthy. And all these bands were in the 90s after I started wrestling. So I got together with Rich and he was saying, you know, next time you're in Atlanta, come hang out and, you know, you can jam with us. Lo and behold, fast forward a couple months later, I'm in a match with Scott Steiner in Las Vegas. I twist my ankle sprain it really bad can't really walk on it so they give me like two months off and at this point in time i was kind of a lame duck because i was already leaving to go to the wwe 
So it was like the last four months that I had in WCW. They didn't punish me by making me lose on TV or anything like that. They just took me off TV and I just worked house shows. At that point, I got hurt and I didn't work at all. So I called Rich up. And I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm off. I'm available. Why don't we put together some, some Fozzie Osborne gigs, which we did. Played one show. Our first show ever was in Marietta, Georgia at a place called The Hangar. The other one was at a place, uh, I think in Greenville or something like that, South Carolina. It's called like the, the 10th Street Pub or something. And I remember this. There was posters up for Fozzie Osborne, and there was a guy that drove down from Florida and got so angry when he realized that it was not Ozzy Osborne, that it was Fozzie Osborne. Like, damn, I came down here to see Ozzy Osborne. It's like, you came to, to the 10th Street Pub expecting to see Ozzy? Like, probably not going to happen. So we did those two shows, and then after that, there was kind of a buzz about uh, this band because of Chris Jericho was involved and, and Rich Ward uh, and Frank Fonsery, actually, from Stuck Mojo, who was really big at the time. They had a really big following, and of course, I had a following from, from my WCW days, and there was kind of a bidding war for Fozzie Osborne right off the bat. Sight unseen, sound unheard. So we got a record deal with Megaforce Records, which was the label that that signed Metallica and Anthrax and Raven back in the early 80s. So it was a pretty prestigious uh, pretty prestigious label. And we thought, well, we can't call ourselves Fozzie Osborne, so we just dropped the Osborne and became Fozzie. And at first we were playing a lot of covers, and it was just kind of more of a hobby. And then after our first couple records, we decided to do all of our own original stuff. And then we said, do we change the name of Fozzie or do we keep it? And we thought, well, we've already got kind of got some steam behind it, so let's keep the name Fozzie. So here we are, you know, 15 years later, and we're Fozzie, and it's just our name, but some people still think it's kind of weird. So it got me kind of thinking, like, let's think of some other weird names, you know, like, let's go to, like, let's, that are so popular that you just accept them, and you don't even think twice. But think about Kiss. Like, okay, my band's name is Hug. You're like, that doesn't make sense. It's dumb. But same with Kiss, but Kiss is Kiss, you know, after all these years. How about Metallica? Think of that name for when you first hear it. Like, what? Like, Metallica? Like, what is that? Um, Halloween. It's not Halloween. It's Halloween. Limp Biscuit. What does that even mean? Duran Duran. Like, what? Here's a good one. Def Leppard. Okay, like, everyone, Def Leppard, man. Def Leppard. Leopard. Just think about that name, like... What it really means, like phonetically, okay, a deaf leopard. Like my name is, my band's name is Sick Cougar. It's kind of the same thing, right? Like you just, you don't even think about it because they've been around so long and they're just part of the of the cultural experience. Let's go to the biggest band of all time, the Beatles. You know, my my, my band's name is 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 the June Bugs. You know, like the Grasshoppers. So you know, um, the Black Eyed Peas. The Red Hot Chili Peppers. I'm thinking of that one. Right? Like, when you really honestly think about it, it's like, wow. There's some pretty bad names out there. You almost want, like, you know, there's only so many cool names. Like, okay, Anthrax is great. Slayer's great. Slipknot, great band. Corn. Are you kidding me? Corn. That could be the worst big name band ever. Like, I'm going to start a band called Carrot. And spell it with a K. You know what I mean? So <laughs> the Bee Gees. ABBA. Like name almost any band. And you'll see that like there's like some pretty weird names. 
<laughs> so like Fozzie's not that bad. It's just it's just the name. I, I think I think my all time weirdest one has to be either Def Leppard or Limp Biscuit. I'm still not sure exactly what a Limp Biscuit. Pearl Jam. Think about that name for a second. Nirvana, good name. Pearl Jam, not such a great name. Never knew what it meant. The the rumor was that oh uh, you know Jeff Amon's grandma makes uh you know makes a, a great uh jam like she makes that's her that's her family jam but i heard that pearl jam actually means like semen <laughs> and when you think about it okay that makes sense right it's like jam it's kind of pearl colored um so there you go <laughs> So now I'm actually Googling right now to see if I can find some more weird band names. Strawberry Alarm Clock. That's, that's, that's a band name. I can't even say this one. But I will see if it can make the censors. Anal c- <laughs> What? How about Barbara's Bush? The Bare Naked Ladies. There's one. I mean, come on, man. You think of that like just kind of on its own? Twenty four seven spies, Toad the Wet Sprocket, the Blow Monkeys, Hootie and the Blowfish. That's a bad one. Hootie and the Blowfish, the Butthole Surfers. Like, imagine if you were like, uh, what's your name, your band? Butthole Surfers. Like, what? What? Butt Trumpet. <laughs> Here's a good one. Chewbacca Plaid. Could be Circle Jerks. I've heard of them before. The Cunning Runs. What's they even mean? Cycle Sluts from Hell. Dumpy's Rusty Nuts. Like, all these are bands. Daglo Abortions. Dead Kennedys. Dead Milkmen. You can see, like, the list of, of, of bad uh, band names. I should Google good band names, because there's not a lot of them. I'll tell you that right now. The Jenna Torturers. The Hard-Ons. Well, that's pretty obvious. The Head Lice. The Meat Puppets. That was a good one. Then I found out that's a penis. <laughs> I wrestled a bear once. Job for a Cowboy. These are all actual real band names, by the way, that you can listen to on iTunes. Pissing Razors. Ario Speedwagon. Queen for a band that's not gay. Well, we said it's Freddie Mercury, but Queen... So yeah, you can see like there's a lot of bands that don't really make a lot of sense, uh, but they're great bands. And after a while, the uh, the legend of them just kind of falls on. Ugly Kid Joe, there's another one. So yeah, so um, that's kind of how the whole Fozzie story started. And here we are, you know, like I said, 15 years later. And sometimes I wish that I would have called the band like Jericho. Jericho's Army, Phoenix Fire. We could have been Phoenix Fire. But now Fozzie, it's a great name. It's easy to chant. Stands out. And you still get the dummies. Is that a Muppet? Waka, waka, waka. Okay, I get it. Yeah, sure, fine, whatever. But after 15 years, I don't even notice it anymore. It's, it's the name of our band. And our band rocks. As you will be able to hear when we play Lights Go Out, the new single from Fozzie. You're getting to hear it here first. And I'm really curious to hear your thoughts. Make sure you hit us up on the Twitter at Fozzy Rock or at Talk is Jericho. And let me know what you think about the new Foz. Okay, we've got William Shatner coming up. But first, 
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Talk is Jericho. All right, sitting across from me right now, uh, one of the heroes of many people's childhoods and adulthoods too, I'm sure. And William, old age, don't forget old, old age. age. <laughs> Couple William, of seniors out there. <laughs> William Shatner is here, and uh, what a, what a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. We've seen each other uh, at appearances a few never times. Really had a chance to talk, so I, I know I'm it, relishing this uh, opportunity. It's funny because we originally met, I believe, at the Golden Gods, which was a, a heavy metal award show. Oh, that's right. Remember that? I and was getting an award. He got no, an award. I was giving an award. Give, yeah. no, I think you got one or gave yeah, one for yeah. being like a, a yeah. you know, headbanger award. Yeah. And you went on stage and you're like, let me hear you effing scream. And people were just like, <laughs> and I remember you came back afterwards. You said, you're publicist. I bet you wish you didn't book me on this one. <laughs> <laughs> we were seated at the same table as Metallica. There yeah. I was, you know, <laughs> but, the, the private Canadian. Yeah, but backstage, there was a lineup of people, like all the rock dudes were waiting to take a picture with, yeah, with, with you. And the, and the question was, what are you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> but I love the fact we're here at the Podcast One Studios here in Beverly Hills. And I was mentioning that you came in here by yourself, which is super refreshing because usually people come in with their entourages or, or their assistants. But you just walked in, you. I yeah. mean, it was it was uh, very refreshing to see. Well, uh, that, that's uh, too bad. Uh, it's a it's a jaundiced view view of Hollywood. Um, you know, I, I, you need people to help you do things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I have a wonderful assistant that uh, keeps me uh, appointments, and 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 she has some wonderful ideas about th- things that I'm trying to invent. And she'll have an opinion on, mm-hmm. and I cherish them. But that's about it, you know. Uh, an assistant uh, to, to help you with uh, your schedule. Well, sure. But I don't know the other things. The people that precede and precede you and the guards they have for us. Well, you've been doing this for so long, too. I'm sure you're kind of the, the, the trappings and the success part where you have to act like a star. You're probably over that years and years and years ago. <laughs> I don't even know what that means anymore. Do you? Yeah. No. And here, here's what I was going to tell you. I did. Uh, we set this up at the St. Louis Comic Con a couple of weeks ago. And I did that. And this is a true story. I did that Comic Con. I agreed to do the booking. To maybe possibly get a chance to run into no you to ask you this. I'm serious because yeah. you and I have been tweeting each other back and forth yeah. and we're busting each other's balls, making jokes and insults. And I'm like, this guy is so funny. Like, I was watching uh, Kingdom of the Spiders a couple months ago and I just tweeted watching Kingdom of the Spiders and William Shatner was amazing and it was the best movie. And you just tweeted back, oh, that's so precious. <laughs> And I was like, I don't even know what that means, precious. Nor do I. You know, the, the, the fewest words possible. Uh, but it's time that we spoke, and I, I was curious about you. I mean, you know, the uh, the the effort, the discipline that mm-hmm. it takes to be an athlete and to stay in shape mm-hmm. and, and then to overcome uh, being hurt. And there's a whole area of being an athlete and then being a performer. Mm-hmm. 
I had a occasional talk to Jesse Ventura. Yeah, you know who he is. Absolutely, who, who was a uh, uh, he was in the he army. Was a, he was a Green. He was beret. a sea, uh, seal, I think Navy he, he seal, was a seal, something like that. Yeah. yeah, he was a seal. Then he was a wrestler, mm-hmm. and then he became a politician, mm-hmm. and he's and an of, actor. And, and an actor. Right. And he's, you know, a rank guy. I want to be, let, leave me alone. Let the government <laughs> leave me alone. And I just leave uh, it. Uh, he's got a real attitude. But but that soldier philosopher idea, the, uh, the idea of military discipline mm-hmm. or an athlete's discipline, and then to be able to talk about uh, what's good and what's bad in a variety of areas, That's that that takes well, it's a, important. an unusual human being. It's something that you've always done throughout your career, and I've done it too. It's like you said, you, you, you started, let's be like, you know, the first thing was like, okay, Star Trek, Captain Kirk, kind of got branded as that, and then kind of had to rebuild yourself, and then you branded yourself in all these different areas, whether it be acting or, you know, Broadway or singing, the, the albums that you've made. You, you, you're building the William Shatner brand. See, th- th- I hear that a lot. You know, I hear the, the, the term, uh, whether it's applied to me or other people, reinventing yourself mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or branding yourself. And I don't understand the concepts. Mm. Um, I mean... Do people make decisions based on, oh, no, that's not my brand? Mm-hmm. Because what is your brand? And and uh, does that mean your personality? Does that mean your persona? But you're constantly changing. You're evolving. Mm-hmm. You've got this show. You're going, you're going to make appearances. You're going to get another job. And, mm-hmm. and your relationships with, uh, in your personal life change and evolve or destroy. Yeah. And you're and your cells every seven years, you got new, a new body. <laughs> so, so you're evolving. Mm-hmm. The, 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 inadvertently, you're evolving. Advertently, if you choose, boy, I better read this book and get with that subject because I want to evolve even further. So mm-hmm. you, you're taking a hand on your evolution, but you're changing all the time. So six months from now, you're different. Are you rebranding yourself if you choose to do something else? I, I, I don't understand the term. For me, it's. Well, I'm curious about that. Mm-hmm. I'm reading a book, uh, two books, on uh, a really colorful character named Johnny Mack. Johnny Mack was a psychiatrist, mm-hmm. uh, and he um, was a uh, tenured uh, professor in uh, at Harvard. Okay. And he was a Pulitzer Prize winner. He mm-hmm. wrote a book on Lawrence of Arabia that won a Pulitzer Prize. Mm-hmm. Brain, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, an intellectual. Right. Psychiatrist, Harvard, Pulitzer, Pulitzer Prize. Prize winner. So a friend of his brings him some cases that the friend is working on of people who thought they were abducted by UFOs hmm. or said they were abducted. Yeah. And this friend says to Johnny Mac, take a... Uh, Take a couple of cases. I got so many. Will you take a couple of cases for me? And uh, Johnny Mac says, okay. 200 cases later, he hmm. comes to the conclusion that these people were telling the truth. Hmm. And he now says, UFOs exist. And now Harvard says, wait a minute, we have to relieve you of your tenure. Turns out that the president of, really? uh, of Harvard uh, saved him. But there was a whole movement afoot. He loses in divorce his wife and children. Hmm. And then the, 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 uh, the finale of that is he steps out of his house and is hit by a hit-and-run driver and is killed. But the point is he changed his mind about UFOs. 
that UFOs to this intellect existed. Mm -hmm. So I'm reading this book, and I've always scoffed at you. Well, what are they doing? You know, why are they flitting across the sky and landing in a Florida uh, uh, swamp? (laughs) Yeah. You know, why don't they land on the... Near the White but, House. Uh, yeah. How about on the lawn. White House? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on the top of it. Right. How about going, just beaming into the, 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 right the, into the, the Oval Office? office. <laughs> right. you, know, you know, they can do all that. So uh, I'm reading this, and he his conclusion was that UFOs are a evidence of another dimension. Now, when we in our recent discovery of micro physics Mm -hmm. looking at the smallest things and we discover that the observation of the object might bring it into existence and when you stop observing it it goes out of existence they've now proven Hmm. that by the very act of observing a phenomena like a proton of light you bring it to, it, to it be. manifests itself, and then when you stop, it stops manifesting. It may wink in and out of existence. Hmm. Okay, that's the mystery. That's one teeny <laughs> aspect of a mystery we're talking about. So why wouldn't a UFO in another dimension? Why is it? Why couldn't that be a manifestation of another dimension, another universe? Mm-hmm. We're already discovering. Hey. There may be 11 universes. I don't know why they say 11, but there may be many other universes. Maybe this infinite number of universes. We certainly can't be so so callow to think that... Absolutely. ...that, that we're the only one or that yes. light traveling at whatever it is, uh, hundreds of thousands of miles mm-hmm. a second, uh, is the only denomination so that 13 and a half billion years from now, that was the end of... That was the beginning mm-hmm. of the universe... Mm-hmm. So there's this mystery that's about all this is by telling you that when you sort of try to comprehend this kind of information, you're evolving. Mm-hmm. So is that rebranding or are you just, just interested yeah. into a new subject? Do you believe uh, that UFOs exist? Well, see, now that... Now with this new information. Well, with this new information, you have to say, well, what do you mean exist? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you see? We, and, and it leads to the mystery. We had a, a ghost hunter on the show, we as in me, yeah. and he said that... I love the, the me, though. The, yeah. I love the we, yeah. because that's the entourage. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm my own entourage. <laughs> right. Well, Stacy helps oh, me. Stacey and somebody <laughs> else. <laughs> yeah. But the, he was saying that the, a lot of people... People theorize, like ghost experts, that ghosts are actually uh, uh, pictures from another dimension that kind of break through. So they, we're, so t- we're talking about the same thing. Explains a lot of different things, yeah, right? Well, yes and no. Mm-hmm. Ghosts mm-hmm. could also be dream man- uh, dreams in your own head. Well, yeah. Or, or too much vodka uh, on too much vodka. Night. Or there is a phenomena where you think you're asleep, but you're a- or, or you think you're awake, but you're actually, actually asleep. asleep. Yeah. Well, I think we were talking about what I meant by rebranding. It's kind of that's kind of the term that they use now. The longevity, the the career uh-huh. that you've had in show business since the fifties, leading up to forties, maybe even up until now. I mean, not a lot of guys can say or girls can say they have that type of longevity, and that's one of the the, the reasons why we're talking today. Is you actually have uh, a movie, Shatner's World, coming to to theaters April twenty fourth. And this is a one-man show that you performed on Broadway, and now it's on screen. So here's this w- wonderful uh, uh, advance in, 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 in uh, electronics. If you mm-hmm. Look, you and I are talking on a podcast. Right. right? And this podcast goes 
uh, on worldwide. Worldwide, but it is 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 it broadcast now or is it being put on? We uh, we I, we're t- recording it now and it'll be on next week on iTunes on podcast on one dot com. So you can buy it on iTunes. Oh, it's free. Oh, it's free for iTunes. Free. Okay. And and what happens is the thing that's so cool about about podcasting is that it lasts forever and it's worldwide. So our show airs next week, but ten years from now people can still go back and it listen exists. to it. Whereas if it's a radio so interview, it's, it's even gone. more complex. Yes. Uh, it, Exactly. So here's a whole new thing. Mm-hmm. Whole new podcast. Medium. Who ever heard of a podcast? Yeah. Up, up until what? This year or yeah, last over year? the last couple of years? Last but you're very, years. very new though. Very new. Mm-hmm. And and the whole idea of uh, putting it on iTunes and and, and, yes. and getting it uh, downloaded and mm-hmm. then going across the world. All that is new stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I did. I, I was asked to do a one-man show in Australia, and I did it there, and it was very successful. I toured Australia. Then I did uh, a version of it in Canada. I toured Canada, and then Broadway said, we bring it to Broadway. So I rewrote it and redirected it. And, and this uh, is you just telling stories about your career Well, your yes, it's me, in, it's me casting a spell, mm-hmm. an actor's spell over an audience. And generally it's... It works, <laughs> and from two minutes in, you can hear them start to listen, mm. and then they never stir, <laughs> and then they stand and applaud at the end of an hour and a half, two hours, and it is the magic of the theater that takes place that was, was what I was born to do. Mm-hmm. That was what I. That's what I did, and do. So, I went to New York and opened it on Broadway, and it was a big success and lots of good notices and and people loved it then i toured about 40 cities wow. in the united states this past year during which time i filmed it mm-hmm. and i filmed two two uh separate uh, uh performances and i had six eight cameras on each performance so a lot of angles and i now have captured the live show in essence in a movie mm-hmm. which will play simultaneously at 7.30, Thursday night, uh, on April 24th, in 700 movies across the United States, mm-hmm. to which you can buy a ticket if you go to the name of the show, Shatner's World. So if you go to shatnersworldcinema.com, mm-hmm. you can find out where that movie theater is near you, and you can find out how to buy a ticket. Look at how many new things I've just mentioned. <laughs> simultaneous broadcast in 700 theaters across the country. You can buy a ticket by going to a website. You can find out where the theater is to going to a website. You can buy the podcast to find out how to get to the... I mean, the, <laughs> yeah. the numerous new things that are happening in our, our yours and my mm-hmm, world, mm-hmm. let alone the world of whatever, satellite mm-hmm. uh, or UFOs. Hmm. It's all burgeoning it's all taking place there's such a manifestation of invention and yet where is it going that sort of thing i mean you can't turn around before something new has happened especially for you about all the stuff that you've seen like we mentioned with, with your long career is it is it kind of strange or weird or, or freaking you out a little bit to see all of these things and not all of them but a lot of things that were on Star Trek for example that are now real and the one that I always think about was you looking into the big screen in the bridge and seeing you know a Klingon or whatever talking back and forth and now that's Skype 
Right. You were basically Skyping right. back in the 60s right. before it existed. We did a, a lot of things that uh, have come uh, to fruition. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's a perfect example of, uh, of the adage that, uh, you know, if you can imagine it, you, we can do it. Yeah. They have to, uh, it, it's the most, remar- most remarkable. They've even, I think I read this last year, they even beamed something from one polarity to another, a molecule. I think a single molecule from one uh, positive post to a negative post. Something was beamed. A molecule was beamed from one point to another point. Wow. So if you can do one molecule, eventually, you know, the billions of molecules that we are. But it's it's like, you know, this is 1967, 66, 68 when you're doing this. Lasers. uh, Talking on the the phone, phone, basically, up into the sky. You can do that now on a plane. Motorola stole that or or paid for it. I don't know which. The design. (laughs) And they had a StarTAC uh, uh, phone. Oh, really? Yeah, which you flipped open. Yeah, exactly. That was exactly it. You flip it open. Now if you have a flip phone, it's like you're living in like, you know, that's so early 2000s. (laughs) That's right. It's so past. At the time. Right. It was the thing, If you're right? not talking to Siri, you're not talking to anybody. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. So what kind of stories are you telling with Shatner's World, on Shatner's World? Well, uh, you know, name a, name a subject. I, I, I talk about... You talk about your, your, your acting experiences, yeah, your life in, experiences? In, in some instances, you know, I, I bring up uh, Star Trek and, and Boston Legal, which were two popular things, but... Mm-hmm. Um, I bring up Broadway shows, uh, uh, dramatize the Broadway show incidents that happen. I talk about motorcycles. I talk about horses. I talk about music. I talk about comedy, questioning all of it. Uh, I, I have a rolling chair as my prop, and that chair becomes my father, becomes a horse, <laughs> becomes a motorcycle, becomes a rabbi, becomes yeah, becomes a, 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 a gorilla, a yeah, lowland gorilla. I mean... The stories are numerous, and it's it's a. I would do them no justice by telling yeah, something well, to you. But what I can say to you is that at the end of the evening, the audience is entranced, and they've always had a great time. And so, if you wanted to go see this show and were wondering about it, I urge you to go see it, the you listeners, because I promise you, you will have a great time. Mm-hmm. You may even have a wondrous time. Well, you have so many stories and so many experiences to talk about. I mean, how is it for you? And I'm sure you've probably embraced this, but you know, you are known and will always be known as Captain James T. Kirk, one of the most iconic characters in, in pop culture history. Did that ever get on your nerves? When people would be like, hey, Captain Kirk, how you doing, Captain Kirk? Like, do you ever get... Well, it depends how much sleep I've had. <laughs> <laughs> it can get, you know, uh, but I, I, I'm totally aware, and the older I've gotten, the more aware I've become, mm-hmm. of what people, what they invest in themselves, what, how, how, the kind of sacrifices they make. By coming up to you, mm-hmm. they're shy. They're they're uh, loath to. They want to, but they can't. They've spent time wondering about, and then they see me, and it, you know, it's like a a dream that manifests that becomes real. Yeah. Uh, and oh my God, he puts his pants on like everybody else. <laughs> so I I'm aware of that. I understand mm-hmm. that, and um, and and so for the most part. I I'm I feel good about it and and respond in kind. Uh, sometimes you can't help it. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
But you're, you're something, something bad has happened and you're short-tempered and, yeah, well, and, and they get the brunt and, of it. And, and sometimes I've noticed too just uh, – and this is not uh, people on purpose. But sometimes people just have bad manners. They just don't get it. No, you know? they, they don't treat you like a human being. Yes. They presume that you have no feelings and no other time but for them. Yeah. And that, that, the, that'll turn me The out. one always bugged me is when someone comes from behind and just slap you on the shoulder. Like, ow, oh, I wouldn't go up to somebody I didn't know and just slap them on the shoulder. That slap on the shoulder. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. <laughs> that slap on the shoulder, when, 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 when you and I are standing taking pictures or something like mm-hmm. that and somebody comes along and whacks you on the show hey man yeah bang. like you haven't seen 500 people uh, 250 of whom are whacking you on the shoulder <laughs> yeah. that presumption yes of the whacking the shoulder you know i uh, part of the amusements are part of the part of the self knowledge the knowledge of i'm trying to to keep in mind all the time is what is that human being and who are they? And, mm-hmm. uh, give them their moment in time. Give them my full awareness, I, yeah. I guess is a better way of putting it. So you have to read so many things instantaneously from somebody. You don't have a chance to talk to them. And after an hour, you say, oh, that's a nice guy or I don't like that guy. Mm-hmm. You, you know, to give yourself time to form an opinion. You, you have to immediately assess who that person is, sometimes whether they mean you harm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Uh, uh, celebrities are generally on their toes emotionally as to who, as yeah. to what they're facing. You're right. And so if somebody slaps you on the shoulder, that could be a signal of a personality that you might want to be aware, you know, <laughs> be hypervigilant about. <laughs> yeah. You're reading things always into yeah. how a person says hello because you haven't got time for an yeah. extended conversation. Well, especially for a guy like yourself or even at times with me, it's like people, like you said, they expect you to be on at all times. You always want to give that person their moment. But it is sometimes like just common courtesy. Please, thank you. That's it. And most people are like that. But sometimes you get the person like, listen, I don't know who you are, but my kid loves you. Sign this. Right. And like, okay, let me analyze this. You're asking me for a favor, but you're insulting me at the same time and demeaning me. Like, And, and, and what, and, you know, I hear variations on that myself. And, and what they're saying is uh, I'm not so stupid as to be a hero right. worshiper. Uh, yes. don't, don't, don't mix me in with somebody who likes you. you know? <laughs> it's my kid, but uh, I'm here for my – it is kind of insulting. On the other hand, you know, if you could deal with it with humor, uh-huh. I had a – a mean uh, question. Uh, I was uh, uh, just uh, I'm coming from a, another interview mm-hmm. in which I'm promoting this one man show. April twenty fourth. Uh, April twenty fourth. The theaters near you. Uh, because the 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 nightmare of the actor is with me, uh-huh. uh, and it isn't something I'm going to wake up from until April twenty fifth, which is I'm giving a party. Is anybody coming? <laughs> is anyone <laughs> going to show I mean? up to this thing? Yeah, yeah. Uh, starring and nobody comes. <laughs> yeah, so I'm busy promoting. Uh-huh. Want to get the seats uh, filled? Uh, <laughs> and so one of the one of the venues was. Uh, they would type in questions, and I would answer the question. Well, the questions sometimes were cruel. Mm-hmm. Why Shatner is a jerk? Why would somebody want to? I'm trying my best to, yeah. to do something. Why would somebody say Shatner? So my point is this: if you deal with it with a sense of humor, mm-hmm. if you uh, and and uh, 
I've forgotten what I said, but when I was driving towards your your interview, mm-hmm. I was thinking I could have handled that better. Shatner's a jerk. Uh, you, you know, I agree with you. Or yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, I've Always just come thinking. to that conclusion myself. <laughs> yeah. So you're now just I figuring have that an out answer. now. Yeah, <laughs> you, you just figured that out now. Exactly. Those kind of remarks. Uh, that answer. Yeah. Those are the things that stand-up comics have when they get heckled. Mm-hmm. They have a series of of uh, lines that they can trot out, so you can't beat them because they've pre-thought your heckle yeah, you know? yeah so if we pre-thought think these in, these <laughs> insulting questions you can come up even if you don't feel like being funny the you line still is got funny. the quip you, yeah you just figure that out now yeah exactly yeah. now did you um i mean we're talking like you know you and i at this point in time we're working together like this is a show we're putting on a, a conversation and to me you know as as a as a, a guy who is a fan of yours it's it's cool to know that you're a good guy and we're having fun. Was there anybody that when you first started that you met that you worked with that maybe you're intimidated by? Like when you were oh, starting out, who everybody. was like the guys? Like oh my god, uh, 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 all those stars. I did a movie um, um, with uh, Nuremberg Trial. Mm-hmm. It was called, and it was about uh, World War Two, the end of World War. The, uh, at the end of World War Two, they held a trial for the Nazi criminals mm-hmm. and found many of them guilty and read the, what their crimes were. It was, mm-hmm. it was a, a very important film at its time. And I played a young lawyer with not many, too many lines. And this is like in the 50s or something? It's yeah. in that time late, frame. Late 50s. Yeah. I and I played a young lawyer that seated at a trial table. Mm-hmm. And in front of me came, uh, and being cross-examined by by famous stars, I was, you know, one of the the peons in in, in the movie. Yeah, and there were there were innumerable major stars of that time, mm-hmm. and it's frustrating when people under the age of twenty five, and I say, you know, Cary Grant. They say who? Fred Astaire. No, who? I was going to say Cary Grant. Right. Was he in well, that? No, no, he oh, wasn't. Okay. I'm just trying to think of a name that yeah. your audience or, yeah, or yeah. you might remember. So there were all kinds: Judy Garland, oh, uh, wow, Cliff yeah. uh, Montgomery, Cliff. Uh, uh, just to go through the list was was enormous. So, so uh, Spencer Tracy was there and he was the major I played his assistant and Spencer Tracy and yeah huge name yeah and he he did a long oh three or four page speech in it in one scene and he talked and he and he 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 had all the rhythms and the modulations and the keyed on words and he and he it was all him as an Mm -hmm. actor well I had come. From, I was coming from the stage. I was this Shakespeare actor. I was from Broadway, and, mm-hmm. and I was thinking movie actors don't remember lines. And here was this guy who had a five, four, <laughs> five page speech. So I went up to him afterwards and I said, oh, "Mr. Tracy, I didn't know that that movie actors learn lines." And he gave me a look. And it was hard to talk to him uh, for the rest of the movie. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I, it was that kind of. I was in awe of everybody. Right, but know. it came out the wrong well, way, it came kind out the of. Wrong yeah, way, exactly. So when you first uh, showed up for this audition for 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 Star Trek, or, or maybe you were offered the part, I'm not sure. But did you have? A, was it just a gig, or did you have an idea that something special was going on, or what was your thoughts about it? Well, they, Rodden, Gene Roddenberry, and. Uh, and a group of people had made a, a pilot mm-hmm. uh, called Star Trek, and they went to sell it to to NBC, and NBC turned it down. Mm-hmm. But they said 
the the idea is good enough, recast it. So I was in New York doing something, and and Roddenberry called me to come and see the pilot. With the idea of did you know him? No. Okay. He just they wanted were... me to play the captain. I, okay. I, I, I'd, I had been on in New York. Yeah. No, I, I had had a reputation. Gotcha. I, I was a young actor in, out of Broadway mm-hmm. and, and, and uh, live television. Mm-hmm. I was doing a lot of big stuff and uh, movies and stuff. So they asked me if I would be on it. And I came here to see the pilot. And it was an imaginative pilot. It just lacked certain things, mm-hmm. uh, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I agreed to be on it. Mm-hmm. Uh so I didn't know anybody, and I was—I had done a pilot earlier, uh, earlier the earlier a couple of years earlier, mm-hmm. um, which didn't sell. And I thought, goodness, I hope this thing sells because if it doesn't, <laughs> and you've gotten two pilots that haven't sold, it's not too good for your reputation. It's bad on you, yeah. Bad, bad on you. Somebody might not take another chance. So when it sold, I thought, great, but it lasted three years. It it got. All right, notices when it opened. Mm-hmm. It was in the top forties. Ratings was, were okay. The right? ratings were moderate, mediocre. Yeah. yeah. At the end of three years, they canceled it. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was no reason to think it was anything else but a three-year a gig. three-year gig. Right. That didn't pay very well. Okay. But the, the, also very pioneering, though, that show. I mean, all the different things. We now think that way. At the but time, nobody, no. Nobody, you know, wow. you know, another sci-fi show, and you know, our our um, our special effects were primitive, the <laughs> uh, primitive anyway, because uh, that time was primitive. But we had no budget, so it was literally a little model ship sailing through a or the tribbles were literally little furry balls, little furry balls that somebody had made, you know, with uh, <laughs> with crushed velvet or something. <laughs> so it was all primitive. What what they didn't take into account at that time were that the stories mm-hmm. had uh, many of the stories had universal themes that it didn't matter whether the the walls shook and uh, it, it was the actors and the th- and the story and the themes mm-hmm. that all appealed to people's imagination so they you know a ship uh, wavering a little spaceship wavering through space didn't bother them they yeah, got the idea because it wasn't about that right. right you know the same thing happened um uh, in um, Twilight Zone, mm-hmm. uh, those stories that they wrote on Twilight Zone were so intriguing that the, one of them I did was a little guy on the airplane. That was there. great. Yeah, nightmare so, Twenty Thousand Feet. So, so there's this Czechoslovakian acrobat on a wing of a plane in a little furry suit. The whole thing is so ridiculous <laughs> that when you describe it, you're like, God, you're not going to play on that, are you? Yeah. Nobody talked about the little Czechoslovakian. <laughs> they all talked about, oh boy, if we were meant to fly, we we, we would have wings. And but it also too, it wasn't what you saw; it was what you didn't see. It was your performance of the little fleeting glimpses of something. Exactly. Right. So uh, that's exactly right. So it it is the truth of the theater and of films for the most part, mm-hmm. uh, with the exceptions coming of late. That it is the material that people will ignore the the. Uh, the the, uh, uh, the armament, the, mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. the special effects. Right, right, yeah, yeah, the accoutrement. The, the accoutrement, perfect. <laughs> uh, uh, if, the, uh, if the story catches their imagination and the actors live for them. Mm-hmm. And another I was going to mention was uh, you were talking about the special effects not being the most important part. We're talking about Star Trek, mid-60s, late-60s, and you have a kiss 
with Nichelle Nichols, yeah. who, are a, she, who is a black actress. It was the, was that one of the first or the first interracial kiss on national know. TV? I, they make a great deal of it. And uh, was there a blowback at the time? Well, there was a, a, a few southern stations didn't play it that segment. Wow! But you know, uh, for me, uh, uh, Nichelle is a. Oh, it's a beautiful oh, hot, woman. Absolutely. Yeah. And it was a joy to. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, so I didn't think anything much of it. Mm-hmm. And it turned out that it was. And people make a big fuss about it now. Uh, I don't think we. So at the time, it wasn't like it a wasn't, big thing. It wasn't big the biggest thing. deal, no. Another thing I noticed, too, about when you were doing your fight scenes, and we've seen this because you have done a lot of stuff with the WWE. You know, Captain Kirk would do a monkey flip or he'd do headsters. Were you, were you yeah, a was, wrestling uh, fan? Yeah, yeah. well, I, I threw. Uh, uh, Jerry, Lawler. Jerry Lawler out of a ring. Did <laughs> yeah, I've yeah, I seen that. You yeah. monkey flipped him. Yeah, I just, uh, of course, we rehearsed it. Yeah, and uh, and my insight, is, and and then I was there at at his um, at his, uh, Jerry Lawler's uh, induction into the, <laughs> That's Hall, right, of the Hall of Fame. Fame. I was there. I gave this like yeah, I welcomed you him. him. So, but but the terrible thing, the actor's nightmare. I walk out to a wrestling audience, and they're going, "Oh, get him out of there!" <laughs> I'm, hey, I'm here to celebrate Jerry Lawler, and they're booing me. It was like a shot, and and, and instead of going off script because I had a, yeah. a speech written, right. instead of forgetting that and saying, "Hey, wait a minute, guys, I'm I'm with you," you know, yeah. uh, instead of going to the truth, which mm-hmm. is always the best. Yeah, I I fought it, you know, and I started reading faster and louder, <laughs> trying to stop them. I saw Marlon Brando at a at a at a uh, uh, rock and roll concert. Uh, <laughs> uh, with Michael Jackson at a Michael Jackson concert in uh-huh. New York, I went to see a Michael Jackson concert, and for some reason, Michael Jackson and 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 and, uh, and Marlon Brando were friends. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, a, a more diverse <laughs> yeah. coupling you'd never, you'd never find. Seen, right. And and so I, so between numbers, on comes Marlon Brando, big and bulky, sits in an easy chair, and then starts to talk. And yeah, I'm going to tell you about Michael Jackson, and they start to boo him. Oh. <laughs> The greatest actor of the time. Yeah. They're booing him, and and he is as flummoxed as I was <laughs> at Jerry Lawler's thing. He doesn't know how to handle it, so he did it the same way I did. Oh, wait a minute! I'm going. Wait a second! And he's screaming at them, and the more he screams, the, the more, more they, they boo. boo. And that's what happened to me at Jerry Lawler. And then uh, what's his name? Uh, Mac, uh, Mac uh, McMahon. Vince uh, uh, McMahon says to me afterwards, ah, "That's that's the that's the crowd. They boo. <laughs> that's and, right. Uh, they take you. You know, you have the villain or the or the hero, and they boo the villain. It's part." of the fun that's right so I, I if i if i had known that if i had incorporated that into my you could being, have turned we call it heel turned, you could yeah. have turned heel and gone villain on them uh, and turned it around on them see if, if i had known if you would that. have known no see i'm evolving and changing <laughs> yeah. i'm rebranding myself. exactly exactly but did did you were you a wrestling fan though at the time because i mean or hey, either a stuntman I, was or you were because there was wrestling moves in captain kirk's fights absolutely uh i think re- 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 Roman Greco wrestling. I wrote a book with the character, the leading character mm-hmm. wasn't armed. Oh, he was armed with a sword at times. Uh, I mean, this is the future. Yeah. His best moves were Roman Greco moves. So he mm-hmm. could take a hand and do, you know, take a hand or a leg or a flip. Or, <laughs> a, 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 and I'm still going to do it. I'm making a comic book of it, and that's still going to be his skill. So I, I, I come from Montreal, mm-hmm. where, where professional wrestling, we like to believe, began. It was big in Montreal. And absolutely. all those. Uh, uh, guys whose names 
I can't remember, but our legendary uh, Rougeau, Gino Brito, those type there of guys. There you go. Yeah. Do you know the history of, of professional wrestling? Did you study it at all? Well, I Would mean, you look into it. I, I know a little bit, but I don't know what you're alluding to. Well, I just that, just that I went to see or was aware of those giant. Yeah, yeah, the history. Uh, I'm characters. from Winnipeg, so I know more about oh, Central okay. Canada, but I, I know, know the Eastern. So you Canadian. know that in Quebec, yeah. Montreal yes. was the wrestling capital. At yes, least of very, Canada. very big. I don't know about the rest of the world. Very big. Yeah, but those big, beefy guys, mm-hmm. Mad Dog Vachon, the Vachon brothers were all there. Yeah, French Canadian wrestlers mm-hmm. who stayed and wrestled in Montreal, and 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 we were their fans, mm-hmm. and that's where I began. That then I studied, you know, a little. Uh, here and there, uh, not wrestling, but uh, uh, but uh, jujitsu and uh, yeah, yeah, judo a lot. Judo. Okay. Uh, and, and then I I was always handy, so I would run and jump and mm-hmm. cling and 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 I always and to this day, to this day, in my dotage, in my old age, <laughs> I still have this. If I was, I I can't get hurt because only the stunt man gets hurt. <laughs> so I do things that are crazy <laughs> with 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 this stupid actor's mentality yeah. of I, I'm not going to get hurt because it's not in the script. Act, it's not in the script. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Talk is Jericho. I've got William Shatner sitting right across from me right now. He's a, he's a hot, sexy man right here. <laughs> and he's in the Talk is Jericho studio with me. He's doing a special live screening of his one-man show, Shatner's World, in theaters this Thursday. Go to shatnersworld.com to find a theater near you and to get tickets. It's one night only. You have to go see this show. Go see the show. You know you want to go. You know you want to go see Shatner's show. So when the original Star Trek ended... Was it just another gig for you? I mean, uh, did you have some notoriety as Captain Kirk, or, or was it easy to find gigs after that? Uh, uh, no, it was, uh, come to think of it, it was uh, difficult. I, I went into a summer theater, and I, I, I directed and produced a, mm-hmm. a, a play, and I'd tour uh, the summer theaters. Mm-hmm. So I'd do 13, 14 weeks in the summer and earn uh, enough money to to get survive, and yeah. survive. And I had three kids uh, living in Beverly Hills and, <laughs> and I wasn't, uh, it was that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. So I was, I was hard up. And when Star Trek ended, I was really, really behind the ball. So was it basically like when, when the first Star Trek movie got made, is that when you kind of got back into the groove or was it, were you working no, steadily? No, or? I worked my way out of it. Yeah. Uh, I never, I'd never gone without work for any length. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've never taken a, uh, unemployment check, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like sabbatical. Yeah. But what um, what was the the circumstances to, to? I mean, eleven years later to finally make a Star Trek movie. What were the circumstances? Yeah, like why why then in nineteen eighty well, after I think the show the in sixty nine? Uh, Star Wars oh. came about. There was talk, you know, maybe we'll do another series, maybe we'll do a movie of the week, man. And then Star Wars hit, and mm-hmm. it was 
this big smash. Mm -hmm. So Paramount Studios said, well, what do we got? Oh, we got Star Wars. Let's make it into a big movie. So they hired Robert Wise, the great Robert Robert Wise, who was a great director, but had never seen Star Trek. He took it because his wife said, oh, Star Trek's very popular. And he didn't know anything about it. And he made this movie called Star Trek the Movie. Mm -hmm. And it didn't. It wasn't great, and it, it was kind of panned, do, wasn't it? By the critics, it was panned unfairly because it's not a bad movie, mm-hmm. but it never had. Uh, it was done so late, and they pushed the. I think it was because it was a Christmas release, and they pushed the date up as quickly as possible. They never really had time to edit it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was literally brought in. They called it wet. They brought into. We premiered it in Washington, mm-hmm. D.C., and it was the 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 print was brought in on an airplane. Like early that evening. To, wow. To be put straight the to the show. Yeah. Or straight to the so theater. There wasn't time to edit and it was overly long and got panned and didn't do too well. So it was another accident that happened because the head of the studio, studio's wife, liked the show. He then said to a gentleman by the name of Harv Bennett, can you make these movies for a better price? And mm-hmm. Harv Bennett, who was out of television, said, yes, I can. So it was always uh, was it always planned to be kind of a franchise because like you said the first one didn't do as no. good no it didn't do well a couple of years went by mm-hmm. uh, we made uh, the second uh, Star Trek two uh, <coughs> well, that one was good yeah and when we did that one uh, they thought well that's it Star Trek two and they burned all the sets mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> you know destroyed the um, or gave it away the 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 the, the uh, bridge set. And it was that was it. Goodbye, guys. It was nice. It was a great thing, right? And a year later, <laughs> calls back. Star Trek Three. They burned the sets. Everyone was the last one. They did not, and they all made about a hundred million dollars. Uh, it cost about thirty million dollars to make it. Made a hundred million dollars. The studio made a little money, and they were happy with that for a while. Then they thought, after six movies, uh, if we get the next generation cast, they'll they'll pull more. Yeah, uh, people in. Well, they didn't, but it cost more, so they lost more money. <laughs> and it wasn't until JJ got in. It's funny how uh, all the even number Star Trek movies are good, and all the odd number ones weren't as good. Except for Star Trek Five. Star Trek Five was a brilliant. Oh yeah, yeah, that was um, Final Frontier, right? Yeah, it was brilliant. You directed that. Oh, that's right. That's why it's brilliant. Oh, of course. That's exactly. Well, that's actually the best of the series, I, I think. I believe it's been voted the best in Lithuania. That was that's voted right. the best. And Lithuania is very important. Huge, huge, huge <laughs> fan base there. Uh, Why did you choose Lithuania? I just are you Lithuanian? A, no, You're from Winnipeg. It's a go-to. You're from Winnipeg. It's a go-to. There's a big Lithuanian population <laughs> in Winnipeg, isn't there? A Ukrainian. Ukrainian. Is, yeah, Russian. Yeah. I just gave a speech in Fort McMurray. Wow. Uh, yeah, and that's above Winnipeg. Oh, well, that's in, that's in Alberta, but it's further but it's north. North. Yes. And a big Ukrainian uh, uh, population. There. Yes. And the speech I was delivering was, what is culture? Because this trade school in Fort McMurray <laughs> had been made into a university, and they had a theater. And they asked me to come up to talk and, and give Shatner reasons in. why this theater. So I said, what is culture? And I said, don't tell me that the Ukrainian dance isn't culture or that <laughs> hockey isn't culture. Yeah. You know, and I, I, that was, I based my speech on that. But I brought in U- the, the Ukrainians Ukrainian because I knew there was a big settlement north. <laughs> there when is. they came over on the boat, they all went to northern Canada. To the MAC. They called it the MAC, Fort uh, McMurray. The, the MATT? Uh, no, the the Mac M A C Fort McMurray. The nickname oh, the for Mac. Is the Mac. Right, right, you go right, to the Mac. Right. When you guys first reunited in 1980, after being the whole cast, was it like uh, we? Was it like a like a band reuniting? Was it was it, everybody oh, happy yeah. to see each other oh, yeah, again? Oh, yeah. And, yeah, sure. I mean, because your whole lives have been defined as as this crew. Uh, 
that's true. You know uh, your professional lives in a lot of uh, ways. I, I, I was doing other things. Yeah, of course. Uh, many other things. I was in a series, two series actually, in those movies. Yeah. And, uh, but when those movies came around, I really relished it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Some great films. Yeah. It got you on the big screen in a big way. Exactly. And I had the opportunity to direct a big film, which was eye-opening in many ways. I I was very uh, pleased for the experience, as unhappy as it turned out to be. Mm -hmm. You know, I wished it had been better, but my life lessons were... Had you directed? Oh, yeah. But but oh, no, but yeah. never a, a major motion picture. Well, no, but I directed small movies and I directed a lot of television. And, so how was yeah. it for you to be on that side of the camera and also be starring? Like you're starring yeah, in, in tough five, to and how do you have to act and and direct? Well, how do you, you know, direct yourself uh, as a stage actor? You're always. Mod- have you done any stage? Yeah, I did a play in Toronto actually. When? Uh, two thousand and six. So, are are you? Were you an actor? Uh, to begin with, and and then yes, but how, how did that? Uh, well, how do you rest, How do you become a wrestler? Well, here's the thing: it's the same as how do you become an actor? How do you become a musician? I was a fan of it. I grew up in Winnipeg. There was a, a wrestling school in Calgary. That a wrestling school. A wrestling school. Here's the move. Here's how you do. Yeah, exactly. Were they teaching you? Real moves, or were they teaching you theatrical? It's theatrical moves, moves like the yeah. show business part of wrestling, right. but they're real though. They're like it's like being a stunt man. You mentioned a stunt man earlier. Right. The, wrestling is a live stunt show, right? You know, like you say when you work right. with Lawler, but you know, what you, you're know gonna do. you know what the stunt's going to be. Yes, but you're still sometimes things go awry. There's right. there's aches and pains and bumps. But the sure. thing the thing about wrestling though is you have to connect with the audience. You have to play a character. You have to play a part. You can just go in there and do your moves. It doesn't matter. There has to be a connection. But had you learned lines and delivered? lines with deliberation high school plays and stuff like that so you were always interested as always being an interested actor. being an actor and yes. and but then why go to wrestling where you can hurt your because hurt i just back? wrestling being uh, i wanted to be in a band and i wanted to be a wrestler when i was a kid just for whatever reason those are the two things you want to be in a band and be in a wrestler yeah like the, so did you study an instrument yeah i i actually in a band to this day our band actually does fairly well we've actually toured with metallica so there we, we've made for goodness it, sake yeah we've made it so so I, but, but then Wrestling seems to be like the exact opposite. You could hurt your fingers. Well, it's 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 um, being in front of a crowd and it's it's show business. It's like being a vaudevillian actor back wow. from that day. You a little bit of everything. You know, I get it. That's, that's great. Kind of, I never heard it uh, expressed that way. Yeah, quite. because when I started, Bill, it was like. It was early '90s. The guys were big, six foot eight, yeah. three hundred pounds. Well, what's his I'm name? Not. The giant Andre, the giant uh, Hulk yeah. Hogan, all those type yeah. of guys. Ultimate Warrior. For me, I knew I'd never be the biggest guy in the show, but I could have the biggest personality and the biggest character, and have the biggest the charisma. And that's what I built my whole career on. Wow. And it's the same as singing. I mean, you've made you've made a lot of records. When you're doing your records, you're emoting, you're you're acting your way through the songs. I mean, yeah, but but yeah, I'm trying to. I understand the theatricality, the burlesque part mm-hmm. of what you're talking about now. Yeah. I see. Well, of course, uh, everybody's playing a part. There's a good guy. There's a bad guy. Yeah. No, I, I see it. Yeah. And, and McMahon, in his genius, is pushing everybody to make real scenes. Get out in the parking lot and take an ambulance. Well, and, you know. But the best characters in wrestling are your own personal, uh, your own personality turned up to 11. So that's why the best characters, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin or... Well, I was going to mention Stone Cold. Yeah, I mean, Steve, that's Steve. That's him. Steve is exactly that guy, just turned up to the nth degree. 
you know, giving right. the finger, drinking a beer, you know, whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, but, but then there's this whole history of Steve Austin of quitting and getting and not being the hero. And not getting, I mean, that whole... That happens, too. I mean, I'm sure it happened I, to you as yeah, an actor. But, but it's not know? on camera. Yes. You know, as part of the drama. That's right. I mean, you could make a reality show of what happens behind the scenes in the WWE that right. would be way more entertaining than some of the I was on my way to themselves. throw Jerry out of the ring, and there was a guy sobbing in a dressing room. I said, why is he crying? And the, the guy uh, ushering me around says, well, he can't remember which the, one of the moves. He's so frustrated. He's coming out. He doesn't know the script. And he's sobbing. <laughs> well, I mean, and that's, that's exactly, you know. So go back a moment. So you're now in a play in Toronto. Yes. And but now you have to have expertise. You have to time your words. You have to, you know. Yeah. Yeah. How how did you start to do that? Well, then I did the same thing that that you were talking about learning the lines. I learned the entire script. Well, as you have to as a play. I mean, right. when you're doing a movie, you can learn your your. You no, know, well, you scene. should do the same thing in a movie. So yeah, learning the entire the entire uh, script and, and going through. But the, my favorite thing about the whole the play was called Opening Night, and it was about a guy who takes his wife to the opening night of a play. And uh, he was a, a 45-year-old uh, carpet salesman. At the time, I think I was maybe 35 or something. So I grew a mustache. I wore glasses. I put a, a fat little fat belly in there and, and slicked my, my hair back. And the best compliment I got was about 10 minutes in. I heard one guy in the front row say to the other guy, because it was promoted, you know, Chris Jericho stars in opening night. And some, some guy said to his wife, when is Jericho coming out? And I'd been out there for 10 minutes, but he didn't recognize me, and I had a little voice going on. So, I mean, and, and that's kind of what wrestling is. It's live. It's a, it's a live stunt show. It's like a modern-day morality play. It's a right, modern-day Shakespearean right, play. Right. So the live element of, a, of, a, of an actual play is what I'm used to. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, when you're filming and that's when you don't have to just try this shot and do it this way and right. try it again. There's only one take in wrestling. There's only one take in the theater. That's, that's a lot of similarities there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No second chance, that's right? That's really wild. I'm, I'm pleased to, to have that information. That's, yeah, yeah. Let, let's talk about some of the, about your records. I mean, the famous Shatner style. Like, what, what made you get into that in the first place? Well, you know, I, I was at Stratford mm -hmm. uh, for three years. Uh, I was, I was uh, you could say I was classically trained. Uh, in uh, the, uh, the, the arts, yeah. and I was uh, I was at Stratford. I was at the best uh, Shakespearean company in the North America, in the Americas, and rivaling uh, our company could rival in terms of the uh, quality of the production mm -hmm. anything in England. And in fact, Stratford at certain points toured mm -hmm. England in Shakespeare. Like bringing coals to Newcastle, as I say. So I learned to admire the spoken word, the rhythm of the word, the way a word might. In, it, it, the, the term is onomatopoeia. The word sounds like what it is the sparkling brook. Yeah. The twinkling of an eye. That twinkling gives mm -hmm. you the music. So. There came a time when, and I don't sing, and I, I wanted to sing. I studied. I didn't have time to really uh, train to sing, but I always loved the, the, the voice, mm -hmm. the miracle of an opera singer, the miracle mm -hmm. of those notes, the way that And that also the meter sang. of the lyrics, like you said, that's important too, the twinkling of an eye. Well, there's the quality of the voice, and then there's the lyric. Mm -hmm. So it occurred to me at some point, I think on a talk show a long time ago, that I could say the words to that melody, and I 
won't sing the melody, but when I hear the melody, I know the song. If I catch up to the melody or, pr- or get a little bit ahead of the melody, let the melody catch up to me, <laughs> you know, so that I had a sense of the rhythm of it and the lyricism of the words. So if the words were good, I could, yeah, I could act the song. My 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 the term I always use is you can hear the words. You know, you, <laughs> you don't hear the words. What's he saying? What's he saying? <laughs> so I'm there. I love you. Um, and that begat that. Mm-hmm. And then I was asked to do an album, and that, you know, it's a classic. Yeah, you know. And then I got into great musicians uh, like Ben Folds. Yeah, and 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 Billy Sherwood. Yeah, uh, yeah. of yes, writing a song with Zach Wild. Zach Wild was Zach Wild, and I, and I, suddenly I'm into really great musicians who are saying, "Hey, can I be on your album?" <laughs> of course. And then the the idea. Of saying the words, I'm going to go uh, next week to do uh, Queen Latifah, and she wants me to say one of her songs. And I, I've got the lyrics; it's great. There's great lyrics, so I'm going to do sort of a rap song, which I've done. I did uh, a rap song with uh, with a, a rapper, uh, uh, forgotten his name, uh, a rap song of Julius Caesar. Uh, of of Mark Antony over Julius Caesar's death. Okay, yeah. And the title of the song is No Tears for Caesar. And this beautiful artist from downtown wrote these words. Once I explained to him that it was the gang, uh, that this guy was making a speech over the guy he he uh, he, he, he didn't want killed, yeah, he yeah. killed, and the people are all around him. And if he says the wrong thing, they're going to kill him. So he's got to he's got to uh, you know uh, 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 be respectful to his friend, yeah. but he can't say too much. And this guy got it, and he started writing the lyrics to this "No No Tears for Caesar." This great poet wrote these rap songs, <laughs> for me, which is in a movie. It was a great experience. Do you remember when you hosted Raw a couple of years ago and you read out the wrestlers' theme songs? Oh, yeah. He was great. Shawn Michaels was like, he's a sexy boy. Sexy boy. <laughs> right, right, right. Ray Mysterio was like, that. booyaka, booyaka. That Shawn. worked, didn't it? It was hilarious. It was hilarious. It was one of the funniest things I've yeah, seen. It yeah, was so everybody good. Everybody had a great time at it. So I'm aware that, that people... I did uh, one night... Uh, uh, one year, I did all the songs in MTV that were the top five songs in MTV. I spoke every every song. Yeah, okay? yeah. They hired me to do that. I, in fact, had been kicked in the head, in effect, kicked in the head by a horse in the morning. I had concussion. I was out for about 10 minutes. And when I came to, I said, what happened? And, and I slowly came out of it. for, And now it's noon. Mm-hmm. And I've got dirt in my ears from the falling in the dirt. And I'm saying to somebody, i got to be someplace. And I call my the, the assistant. She says, you're supposed to be at MTV. You've got all five songs to do. And I'm, I'm an hour out of concussion. I get to the studio. I, the guy had said earlier, days earlier, what do you need? I said, well, I need, I need somebody to carry the tune. So I need, like, a guitar. And I need rhythm. So I need drums. I need mm-hmm. car, a guitar and rhythm. Mm-hmm. When I get there, he's got a xylophone and... Uh, what do you call the little drums? The bongos. The bongos. He's got a xylophone and bongos. 
<laughs> and I do. I want to sex you. That was the year when I want to sex, sex you up. Color me bad. My, yeah. So I'm doing, I want to sex you up. I want to sex you. Uh, and all I've got is xylophones. <laughs> <and bugs>. Xylophone. <laughs> that was a risk. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned uh, the J.J. Abrams uh, reboot of the Star Trek franchise. Did you like uh, Did you like that movie, the movies? Did he you watch them? Has, yes. He, both of them. He has got the magic. J.J. Mm-hmm. Abrams has got the magic of the ride mm-hmm. so that it is slam bang and full of uh, explosions and running and jumping and and some of the characters that's it, it was great my vision of star trek in its in its uh, smallness and its mm-hmm. small screenness is the story and the character the right. development of it. so that's going to come uh right now he's entrancing the audiences with Large box offices, and the actors are wonderful. I, I think that. What did you think of Chris, Chris Pine? Pine? He's wonderful. He's, did you get? Did you meet terrific. him? He, yeah, I interviewed him. Oh, cool! Uh, in fact, for a, a documentary <laughs> I was making, but uh, he, he he's a terrific actor. He's a terrific looking guy, and he's got all the equipment. Uh, oh, that's right. You made a documentary about all the guys that have played the captains. Yeah, I've the, done uh, ten documentaries. One of them was called "The Captains," yeah. in which everybody who played the captains on Star Trek <laughs> I I examine in in. Uh, that's in, what in a great close, idea. Yeah. That is too. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting too how JJ he has not only the Star Trek franchise but also now the Star Wars as well. That's I, insane. I, know. I can't believe they no. allowed that. Right. Well, not only did they allow that, what's he going to do for time? Yeah. You know? Right. I mean, what happens to his personal life? Because directing is twenty four hours, and you're always making decisions, and you're hoping the decisions are right. So he has a great staff uh, based on all those wonderful television shows he did, but ultimately he's the He's the guy, and to make those two big movies in a short period of time, that's going to be tough. He, uh, <laughs> he should, if he wanted to do something cool, he should cast you in the Star Wars movie. I know. <laughs> right? I, I take him out for sushi every so often. <laughs> <laughs> Put you in a hood and make you a Jedi. Right. <laughs> April 24th at 7.30 at theaters across the country. It's Shatner's World. I think it's going to be amazing. I'm going to go because I've been to a couple of these. It's a one night only. One night only. You can only see it this night. Near you. And as I like to say, the, the price of a movie ticket, you're going to see a great Broadway show. Mm-hmm. You get to hear all the experiences of your, of, uh, of all your, your you, career. You'll be your intrigued, life. I promise you. What, uh, one last question. If When you look back at your career, can you pick out one movie or one role that you had that you just stood out as your favorite? Well, you know, every moment. Uh, you, you try and achieve nirvana with every moment as an actor and uh, so i i can't make that discretion all i can tell you is i've played the one this one man show numerous times now and i've got to re- start to relearn the words as I, I i'm going to um into las vegas to do three nights in all las right. vegas so i'll have that experience this is the really meaningful in my life. Uh, what I do in that one-man show has a great deal of meaning to me. And I found, I discovered, as, as strange as it may be to hear, that by performing those stories as though they were just happening, mm-hmm. as though I was just about to tell you this moment and relive the moment honestly and earnestly, uh, is the best way to play it. It's, I'm not just telling you a story. You're living I'm, it. I'm reliving the story. As an actor, you're dropping into the story. Exactly. Right. And and that's the way to do it. I discovered. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm performing uh, at my very best in this one man show. So great. So great to have you here, Bill. Thank you so much. And uh, April 24th, Shatner's World. Thank you. 
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This this is Talk is Jericho. The moment has arrived. Let's give a cowbell roll, please. It's the world premiere of the brand new Fozzie single, Lights Go Out. You can get it April 29th on iTunes. The new record is coming out in July, but this is the tune. So here you go, Fozzie fanatics worldwide. Please enjoy our new tune, Lights Go Out. Just us colliding When the lights go out We own 
right. What did you think? I want to know. Go to at Talk is Jericho, at Fozzy Rock, and let us know your thoughts on Lights Go Out. A little bit different, but I think you'll love it. People that have been listening to this tune have been losing their minds. The record company's going crazy. All my peers are digging it. What did you think? Yay or nay? Let us know on the Twitter. Thank you for listening. And hey, thanks for using my Amazon link every time you do your online shopping. It's really easy to find. Just go to podcastone.com, click on the Keep Our Podcasts Free banner at the top of the page, and then click on Talk is Jericho, and you'll see all three of my Amazon links, UK, US, and Canada. So no matter where you are in those countries, every time you want to buy something from Amazon and you click the banner, They'll kick back a little cash to the show so we can keep doing this for you for free twice a week. This is due to popular demand. I had a lot of our fans in the UK and Canada saying, hey, we want to help your show, Chris. We want to represent you. How can we do it on Amazon? Now you can. Go to the banner. Keep our podcasts free on podcastone.com. Click on it and let the moolah flow, baby. You're just getting your shopping done and helping me out in the process. Thank you so much. And thanks for listening to Talk is Jericho. I know there's hundreds, there's thousands. Actually, as Adam Carolla said last week, hundreds of thousands of podcasts to listen to. And you guys are joining me here. I hope you enjoyed William Shatner, one of my favorite interviews we've done. Got another great one on Friday. Santino Morella from the WWE will be here, and wow, what a story he has. Small-town immigrant from Italy coming to the United States and making his fame and fortune. You're not going to want to miss it. Santino Morella then, until we see you, stay hard, stay hungry. Peace, love, and hugs, and a big yeah, boy. This has been a Podcast One production. Executive producer, Norm Pattis.